Well, I'm up for it this morning, as you might have gathered. You know, I, I just, I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus, you know, and sometimes I jump around like a loon and I'm thinking, Chris, you're making a fool of yourself again. And I'm thinking, I'm making a fool of myself again. I don't like this. But, you know, when I just close out the people, everyone around me, and just focus on him, I just can't keep still. You know, my mouth wants to praise him and my body wants to praise him. And even my wallet wants to praise him. And that's, that's a scary one, but it does. Would you turn with me to Acts 2? Now I had, um, some, some of you know that uh, last weekend, um, I had these, this great couple staying with me from um, the Czech Republic, brilliant youth ministers out there. Um, Unfortunately, they missed the, the Friday youth meeting, which was the reason they came, but never mind, I, we still got blessed. Um, and so I invited some friends over on, on the Saturday night to, to meet them and uh, started at half six. We're still eating and chatting at about half eight. Finally, I asked him to speak. He speaks for about 15 minutes, and that's with translation, so probably about five minutes. And then uh, he starts praying and prophesying, and we start praying and prophesying, and it was, it was just a brilliant, it was awesome. The Prince of God was there one minute, and you know, we got Two, you know, two groups praying for the, these two. And right in the middle of it, I'm, I'm just there you know, basking God's glory in his presence because right there in my living room, his presence was there. Right there in that, in that meal, in that social time, yeah. God was there. And he was just flooding the room and I, and I was so close to him. And someone said, it might have been me, might not have been, I can't remember. It doesn't matter, I agree with, agreed with it. Someone said, this is church. And quite a few, yeah, this is church. And then, and then someone else said, this is the best church meeting I've been to in months. Now, you know, as, as someone who, who helps organise this Sunday morning, I could have taken offence to that, but, but no, she was right. This is the best meeting because the Christian life is not just this Sunday morning. This is just supposed to be a snippet, okay? Do you know what I wish? I wish that your quiet times were better than the worship on a Sunday morning. I, I wish that you'd get more revelation from you reading the Bible and God talking to you than you ever hear from this pulpit because it's about you and him. And I wish for all the connect groups we're, have, we're having an absolutely mad time, amazing time, more than we have here on a Sunday morning because God is in the small. That is why we're doing this life in circles. Connect groups are so important and I've just left my red thing. So you all should have one of these. I just want to uh, draw your attention to this lovely table in here which tells you about all these connect groups that you can go to and do life in. And up here is one that I'm going to be running called Rooted, um, which is going to be another one of these course connects, which are going really well. You know, you, know, you, know, you just saw healing the first week on, on the host in the presence. You know, it's just, you know, it's just, a, just a Bible study. Of course it's not. It's church. It's meeting with God. You know, the, mo the, the most thing I'm looking for out of these connect groups is actually what it says on the tin. They connect. People connect with each other. You know, I want good teaching, but I'm looking for the connection. Um, so yeah, use this. Hopefully you've got one and do small groups. Now, when I looked at this, this cinema, that a few of us came in to look at this cinema before, before we said, yeah, we'll have it. I came in and do you know what? I was actually a bit disappointed. I looked around and went, yeah, it's a room. There's some chairs. There's a screen. I can imagine it, but it doesn't really excite me. But what sold me 
on doing church here was I went up to the balcony area and I looked over and I saw Chiquitos and I saw Frankie and Venice and I saw McDonald's. And yes, I do like my food, but that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking, brilliant, this, is, this can be such a community. I just saw in my mind, you know, people linking up with other people and going for food in Chiquitos after church, you know, and, may, and some others, maybe youth, because I know I don't like McDonald's, going to McDonald's. And it's just, just like, whatever your, your palate of, of whatever you like to eat is probably catered for in Kingswood. And I was thinking, wow, this could be such a community. Because for me, although we have to be out of here by 12, Church doesn't stop there. Church can continue in Kingswood. Okay, let's get to scripture because I've been talking a lot without any scripture. Acts 2, verse 46. You see, this whole, um, this whole thing about small groups is, is really scriptural. We'll look at it in Acts 2, 46. This is the early disciples. And day by day, Attending the temple together, so this is what we're going to call temple, okay? This is, this is a big group of people getting together. Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with gladness and generous hearts. You see, the early church knew it wasn't just about gathering like we do on a Sunday morning. They knew it was about get, taking Jesus back into their homes. They knew it was taking Jesus into every area of their lives. Jesus isn't just for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. He's for your entire life. Living in circles. This is one way you can look at it. Putting Jesus into every circle of influence that you have in your life. In your family, in your workplace, in your school, down your street. Let's have Jesus. Let's have church. You can invite friends around. They don't even have to be saved and you can have church. So what, what do you need to have to, to make it church? Well, let's go back to verse 42. Acts 2.42, and I'm reading from the NLT, I think, so it probably looked different. And they were devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. If you go and take someone out for lunch, don't just talk about nothing and the football. 2-0, brilliant. <laughs> but we don't have to talk about that. We can talk about... We could talk about Jesus. We can bring Jesus right into the centre because we want his presence everywhere. You can be in Starbucks and see someone who needs prayer and go and pray for them. You can talk about your problems, but don't just talk about them. Let's pray together, pray together as a church. Can I have my, my picture up? Is it coming up? Oh, brilliant. See, this is how I see church when we're talking about life in circles. Now, this is a ball bearing. Now, I'm not an engineer, so I'll probably get this wrong, but I'll go anyway. So, that big circle turns round, and then in the middle, there's all these little balls, some smaller circles. And as it turns round, those, those smaller circles also turn against other circles which are also turning, which it reduces the friction for the, for the thing going round. I know it because of bikes, makes it pedal easier, smoother. It, I know it in, in fishing reels, because I like fishing as well. You turn it round, the more board bearings you have, the smoother it is. And the Christian life is a lot smoother if we have all these small circles freely rotating round. Uh, what, I, what do I mean by freely rotating? That they are moving. So that we are not just moving as a whole church, but every individual, every house group, every group that we have is moving on with God. And then when we're all moving, it just makes it all so much smoother. And it's not us just trying to crank the pedal round and round and finding all these, these hard bits and it 
it's it catching. But when we're all moving on with God, when God is in every meeting that we have, it just becomes smooth and seamless. Which is why we need to have life in circles, which is why we have connect groups, which is why I'm, I'm going to be running that rooted one, because I believe in life in the small. Because it's only in the small, you know, I can, I can or someone else can just talk to you and you can think, what was he talking about? Or you can get a scripture and you don't quite understand it. But when there's only five of you, six of you, eight of you, you can talk about it. You can apply it to your life. You can apply it to your situation and you can pray and prophesy over each other. Jesus said, to have church, Jesus said, whenever you meet together, do this in remembrance of me. And what was he talking about? Communion. Now, I'm not going to get legalistic and say you have to have a bit of cracker and a bit of ribena every time you eat with another Christian. But what I will say is this. Whenever you meet with another Christian, remember Jesus at the centre. Remember he's there. Remember to include him in the conversation. Remember he's watching. Remember, remember he is our strength. And so that when they tell us their needs or they go through something, no, let's put Jesus back in the centre. It's not about me. It's about Jesus being in the centre. So, as I said before, I don't want this just to be about um, you know, doctrine and just thinking. I want us to actually experience and live it and actually feel it inside. Rather than just knowing it in our minds, I would like us to actually feel this life in circles from inside. And I think the best way to do it is how Jesus revealed God in the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, we learn about God and, and, he's, and he's this awesome, fiery, fearsome person. You know, he's, he's, the, he's the God, king of kings. He's the God above all other gods. He's the Lord of lords. He, he's, he's got fire. You know, if you get near him, you, you, you're going to die. He's scary. He's only mentioned as father five times in the Old Testament, 15 times in the Old Testament. But when you get to the New Testament, Jesus doesn't deny that God is all those things because he is. And we still need to fear him and we still need to realise how awesome he is. But he says, but we relate to him as father. We relate to him as father. In the book of John alone, Jesus refers to God being father over a hundred times. 15 in the Old Testament, over a hundred just in the book of John. Because Jesus is bringing this out. We relate to God as Father. Life in circles, what is that? That's family. Who, who's the head of our family? That's Father God. And it's all about family. That's why I said what I said when, when I was giving out the green DVDs. You know, we are family. We don't just leave things up to the green, green stewards. We don't just leave things up to, to people who we put in teams. If you see someone who, who needs help or you can help someone, we're family. Come on, let's be family together and help one another. Don't, don't just wait for someone else to do something. If you see something not done, let's, let's dig in together because it's all for his glory, not our glory. It's for his name, his glory. Doesn't matter what I look like. It's all about him. So, God is father. Well, what kind of father is he? Me just saying that God is Father could have probably already alienated a load of you in this room because you've had a bad father. It's Jesus' teaching, but you know, that happens. For some of you like me who've been gifted with a great father, brilliant, my father was really good, so you know, I'm thinking God's really good. But whether you had a bad father or a good father or an average father, your experience of fatherhood or of motherhood, because it really means parent, God's not male or female, he's, he's both, Okay. And, and neither at the same time, but let's not go into that. Um, that'll probably take a whole morning. Um, he's father. 
But your experiences of father, your experiences of mother will colour how you see God. Because we see things out of our experiences. Our life experiences shape how we see. So let's go back to the Bible, which is always a good thing to do. And let's see how Jesus said Father God was like. Okay, So first of all, let's go to Matthew 7. I want to read from uh, verse 7, 7 verse 7. And you will know this scripture, and sometimes when you know a scripture, you, it doesn't impact you because you've heard it too many times. This is an awesome scripture. Allow it to, hear, to go in your ears fresh again. I'm reading from the NASB. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man, or some version says, what parent, is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, I love Jesus. You know, he's got a whole congregation, he's just called them all evil. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? I want you to uh, just take a minute, close your eyes and imagine what your, the most best father, mother, parent could be like. Maybe they're picking up little children. Maybe they're going fishing with their, with their boy. Maybe, maybe they're, they're helping someone with their homework. Whatever it is. Now I'm telling you, whatever you've imagined, you can open your eyes, whatever you imagined, God is so much better. You know, Jesus says, you know, our parenting in the eyes of God is, is evil, yeah. sinful. What was he saying? Like, the way God is father, that's absolutely amazing. Our parenthood looks dirty and black compared to how good his fatherhood is. He is a good father who loves to give you presents, who loves to give you gifts. He's not trying to keep everything back from you. He wants to give you things. So my first point is this, God is a father better than any parent you have experienced who wants to give you good gifts. Good gifts, he won't give you bad ones, good gifts. Okay, next scripture, Hebrews, no, Ephesians 1, verse four. And I'm gonna read this from the NLT. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adapt us, adopt us even, into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Yeah. You know, there could be people in this room this morning who've been uh, abandoned or feel unwanted by their parents. Or they, you know, there may even be people here who've been told you were an accident. We never wanted you. You've wrecked my life. It happens. God, before the beginning of the world, wanted you. He chose you. He wants you in his family. How much does he want you in his family? Jesus, you just have to look to the cross. Jesus came and died and paid with his life so that you could be in his family. 
That is how much he wants you there. Don't say that you're unwanted. Don't say you've been abandoned. God the Father wants you in his family. You are chosen. You are loved. That is what God Father is like. And don't think that you coming into his presence, he hates it. No, I love it how it says in the NLT, it gives him great pleasure that you are there. You might think, I don't want to spend time with God. He doesn't want me. He doesn't like me. And, and if this here is like the doorway to heaven and God is over here on his throne, we can come right before the throne of grace. And he's there on his throne of grace sitting there saying, come on, come in, come in. And we're there by the doorway going, I don't think he wants to see me. I don't feel good enough. He won't want to listen to me. I, I disgust him. I'll, I'll stay out here. And we're breaking the father's heart who paid for his son to die on the cross so that we could stand right there before the throne of grace. Let's do him a favour. Let's actually get into the presence of God. Let's actually pray to him. Let's actually talk to him. Let's have our hearts meet with him. So my first point was that God is a great father who loves to give gifts. The second is that he wants you in his family. My third point is that he wears rose-tinted spectacles. I'm sure you've been there when, uh, you know, with some parents who just can't stop talking about their kids. You know, their, uh, their three-year-old has done this really, you know, painting in, 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 in nursery or something, and the parent's going, oh, look at the colours she's chosen. Ah, she's going to be an artist, she is. Look, she's even put a hole. That's just such, such an artistic touch, that. And, and the mud there, she's going to be a modern artist. She really is. She knows just what she's doing. And you're thinking, it's just a mess. But to the, to the parent, it's, this is the best thing ever. She is amazing. She's so creative. Or, or you get, you know, John, well, he's just... You know, they can't stop shouting about him learning his five times table. And you're thinking, he's 10. He should know his five times table. But, but no, they're still going, it's amazing. He's going to be president. He's going to be prime minister. He's going to be an astronaut. He's so clever. He knows his five times table. That's what parents are like. Or the one, and this one, you know, I might get through groans at this one, but, but, you know, sometimes you get like the mum and the granny and then they're around, around this, uh, the cot and they're just cooing over the baby. Oh, isn't she beautiful? She's got your eyes. Got his ears, you know, his nose, Uncle Fester's moustache. I don't know why it's there. But they're saying how beautiful this baby is, and then the crowd parts, and you look, and on the on the inside, you're thinking, what an ugly baby. Is, is that just me? Am I, am I just evil? But on the outside, you're going, yes, she's so beautiful. Let me tell you, that's the kind of parent God is. Let's look at verse four again. He chose you to be holy, blameless, pure, beautiful, clean, without shame in his sight. That is how God sees you. It's how he sees you. You may feel all dirty. You may feel that you've got, you know, dirt marks from, from past experiences. And, you know, I shouted at my, my kids this morning and, and I didn't do the washing up and whatever else. But God sees you as holy and blameless because he sees you through rose-tinted spectacles. Why are they rose-tinted? Because it's the blood of Jesus which he sees through. See, the blood of Jesus is just, is even better than silic bang. One spray and the dirt is gone. Just like silly, well, even better than silly bang. 
or better than the best beauty treatment, you wash your face in the blood of Jesus and suddenly you have the most beautiful face in the whole wide world. Because that's how God sees you. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see your righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. He's not going to turn you away because when you come, he sees through these rose-tinted spectacles and he sees Jesus and he, will, he takes you into his, his arms and wants you in his presence. He takes great pleasure in it. So my first point was, he's a great God who loves to give you gifts. Second, God wants you in his family. Third, he sees you with rose-tinted spectacles. My fourth point is this. Jesus didn't say, pray to my father. He said, pray to our father. He's not just my father. He's Lucy's father. He's Steve's father. He's Stuart's father. He's your father. And he's my father. And he's the father of that Christian that you're having an argument with. And he's the father of the Christian that you cannot stand. He's the father of that Christian who keeps hanging around you like a bad smell and you don't really want to spend time with them, but they're still there. No? Okay. I get that. <laughs> I was praying one, one, one morning and um, I had, I had a, a conflict with someone. And, you know, I was kind of like doing a real David, you know, woe is me, you know, destroy my enemies before me, um, vindicate me, O oh God. You know, I was prob- probably had the Psalm- book of Psalms open, so, you know, this is scriptural, you know, I can say all this stuff, it's there in the Bible. And then God just gave me a picture, and it was of this person who I was having this conflict with, and they were on their knees, crying, saying, God, why is Jesus, uh, not Jesus, God, why is Chris persecuting me? Why, why is Chris destroying everything I've built? And they were pouring out their heart, and it just occurred to me, oh, wait a minute, He's my God, but he's also your God. It's the same God. You know, we can be there praying, going, come on, God, be on my side. And the person you have in the, the disagreement with is saying, come on, God, be on my side. Well, as in the angel of the Lord, which, which uh, met Joshua in the book of Joshua, I'm on nobody's side. I'm on my own side. You see, it's not my kingdom I build in. It's his kingdom. It's his will. It's not my... Uh, my way, it's his way. It doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter if I'm humiliated. That, that is not the point. It's all about, is Jesus glorified? Is his church built? Is his kingdom extending? I can be, I can be looking right full, that's fine. And if we have that attitude that it's all about his kingdom and not our kingdom, then a lot of these problems would just float away. You know, a lot of the, the arguments we have, it's just because we've, we've misunderstood you know, I'm arguing about apples and you're arguing about oranges. No wonder we're not, not agreeing because we're not actually arguing the same point. It's God's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And just remember, this is why I brought this. Just remember, just God sees you as holy and blameless through those rose-tinted spectacles and he loves you and adores you. And he also loves and adores that person that you are having problem with. That's how he sees them. Let's see ourselves through his eyes, but also let's see, uh, see other people through his eyes. And I'm just going to make it a bit more scary because I'm going to quote Jesus again, and he, he is scary. You want to turn with me to Matthew 18?
And in verse 21, um, Jesus starts talking about a servant who goes to, goes to a king and, asks, and the king forgives him for all the debt that he, that he owes the king. Then this servant goes out, free, free man, and goes and finds someone who owes him and puts that person in jail to get some money. The king, having heard this, that the servant he forgave has put someone else in prison for something that they did to them, says this in verse 34. And his lord, this is scary, and his lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you. Heavenly father. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's a scary verse for me. And it's not the only one there. Let's turn back to Matthew, uh, Matthew 6. After the Lord's Prayer. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgression. That's tough. You see, you don't want to go to God as judge. You want to go to God as grace giver. You, you don't want to go into the throne room of God and say... I want justice. That person stole my lollipop. I want justice. Because God will say, right, you want justice. You want to deal with me, deal with you yeah. justly. You deserve hell. Yeah. You deserve hell. We don't go to God as, as, as judge like that. No, we go to God as grace giver. God, I come to you because I need your grace. I've got this situation with that person. We're not seeing eye to eye. Lord, I need your power to love them, to forgive them. And Lord, I pray that you would pour your blessings upon them and that they would have success in everything that they do and that they, that they would follow you and that you would, you would prosper them in every way. Yeah. That is how we go to God. Because otherwise, yeah. otherwise we go to, go to him and we start slagging off his children. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you're like if you're a parent, but don't come to me slagging off my children unless you've got a really good reason. There is an accuser of the brethren or accuser of the children, and he's going to hell. I'm not saying don't be honest with God, because you need to be honest with God. But he sees his children through rose-tinted spectacles. Don't tell him they're ugly, because he sees them as beautiful. You know, some of us, were thinking, um, why am I not getting this answer? You know, I'm praying to God and he's not, uh, he's not answering me. That's because he's sat on his throne and you're coming towards him and he's saying, you need to make up with your brother, you need to make up with your sister. And you're not listening and you're saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. I need this. And God's saying, no, first thing is, you need to forgive. Yeah. First thing is, your heart needs to forgive. Right. It could be a right blockage for answered prayer. Yeah. Well, let's, let's turn it a different way. Jesus, we are his bride. Don't go and tell Jesus how ugly his bride is. Yeah. It's his kingdom. Yeah. Jesus is not ashamed to call, it says in Hebrews, Jesus is not ashamed to call any one of you who believes his brothers and sisters. Don't us be ashamed, let us be ashamed of causing, calling other people here brothers and sisters, being associated with them. It's our father. It's our father. You know, um, this is what my father was like, and um, I think this is biblical. So if you go towards father and say, you know, Bernard, Bernard stole my lollipop, is now sucking it. 
I want Bernard to pay for that. Father God will say, just give him the lollipop. Just give him the lollipop. I'll give you a whole sweet shop. I'll give you a whole sweet shop if you just give him, let him have that lollipop. And if some of us, we just dig our heels and go, no, I want that lollipop because it's my right. It's my conviction. I want that lollipop back, which has already been licked and horrible and now tainted. But no, I want that back because I've been wronged. And God is just saying, look, just forgive them. Here is a whole sweet shop. If you would just let it go, there's a whole sweet shop of blessing for you. So, God is a generous, loving father. He wants you in his family. He sees you through rose-tinted spectacles and he's our father. And he sees your neighbour as in rose-tinted spectacles. So let's, let's actually decide, okay, rather than being prideful, I'm gonna, I'm gonna decide what I think about someone. Let's actually look at people, how God looks at people. And what we need is God's heart flowing inside of us to do that. Can I have that picture back up of that um, bull bearing? You see, we can see it another way. You can be one of those bulls. And when you stop rotating, you stop moving because you're no longer forgiving, you've rusted up, it's harder to crank the wheel. The wheel will still be cranked, but just slower. And if two or three start to or get stop, it gets even worse. One you can pretty much cope with because the others are rotating anyway. Yeah. But two or three, suddenly life gets really hard. Yeah. 